such love. <laughs> Father, we thank you so much for all that you've given us. We thank you, Father, that you are God that never leaves us, that never forsakes us, that never turns your back on us. But you're an ever-loving Father that always has his hand on us and knows our good and wants to do what's best for us. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here once again this morning, Father, to worship you, to honor you, to glorify you, to magnify you, and to thank you for everything, Father, that you've given to us and what you're doing for us. Father, we thank you that we're able to stand in the midst of tyranny and certainty. And Father, even though it looks like, even though it looks like everything is falling apart around us, that Father, you have allowed us to see the truth and that we can be light and salt in this earth. So, Father, we, we just give you praise this morning. And, Father, we speak to anything that would be here to inhibit our praise, to inhibit the channel between you and us, whether it be something that's happened this week, something we've dealt with on the way here. Father, we leave it at the throne. We leave it at the altar right now, Father. Because, Father, we don't want anything in between the relationship between you and us. So, Father, I speak freedom in this place right now. Anything that has anybody tied down, I speak to it right now. In Jesus' name, I command it to lose its hold on each and every person here that is dealing with something. Father, I command them to be set free. If you're not feeling well, Father, I command whatever it is that is causing the discomfort, Father, we speak to it and we command it to go now in the power and the authority in the matchless name of Jesus. Pain, discomfort, fatigue, nauseousness, difficulty breathing. We command it all to go now. Heal me, 
we shall receive it. Freedom is in this place. Freedom is in this place. Freedom is in this place. Reach out and receive it. It's here for you. It's here for you. It's here for you. Reach out and receive it. anyone that hasn't been here before there are mics at the front and the back of the sanctuary please feel free as the Lord places something upon your heart whether it's a single word whether it's a phrase whether it's a Bible scripture or something the Lord has just put in your heart to share please feel free to approach either mic and share what the Lord has placed on your heart. This is a place of freedom. Persistence. <clears throat> and I kept hearing that uh, over and over, and, uh, and the theme of the things that I've been reading and stuff were all about persistence. And it, it led me thinking about our own persistence. God says, never, never, never give up. Uh, pray till you see things through. I've heard of people praying for 30, 40 years for, for prodigals, and, but they never give up. And sometimes even on their deathbed, they get the answer of a prodigal coming home. And that led me to the uh, to Daniel 10, very familiar to all of us. Starting in verse 2, he said, In those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. I did not eat any tasty food, nor meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I use any ointment <coughs> at all until the entire three weeks were completed then on the 24th day of the first month while I was at the bank of the great river that is the Tigris I lifted my eyes and looked and behold and there was a certain man dressed in linen whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold and fast his body was also like beryl his face had the appearance of lightning his eyes were like flaming torches and his arms and feet were like the gleam of polished bronze and the sound of his words like the sound of a tumult. Now, Daniel alone saw the vision, while the men who were there with me did not see the vision. 
Nevertheless, a great dread fell on them, and they ran away to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw the great vision, yet no strength was in me, for my natural color turned to a deathly pallor, and I retained no strength. But I heard the sound of his words, and as soon as I heard the sound of his words, I fell into a deep sleep on my faith and my face to the ground. Then, behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees, and he said to me, O Daniel, man of highest esteem, understand the words that I am about to tell you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Don't be afraid, Daniel, for for the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. You know, in verse 2, it says um, that he fasted for three weeks. I said, oh, yeah, that's three times seven. That's 21. Uh, this is little things that you don't put together, and when you do, it's, it's fun. But for 21 days, and then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I had been left there with the kings of Persia. And uh, as I, I wrote down here that as Daniel had persisted in his praying, um, the angel and Michael persisted in warring in his behalf. And his prayers were answered and the, the vision of Daniel was given to him like he asked and so that was the whole theme, I think, of, of me coming to a, a, a realization again that um, we have to persist. Um, healing comes. We all want to see miracles. We all want to see it. But the word I kept hearing over and over in this passage was the word word or words. And that our words have power. They have great power. They have great great power and it's like there's a <clears throat> excuse me one person put it like this that every moment every day that we are surrounded by uh, we are surrounded by spiritual molecules and I kind of got a picture of that that are designed to respond to our thoughts intentions and our words that spiritually puts our faith in action to produce miracles, healings, whatever we need for victory already exists, but it exists in another form. And since the spiritual realm is the casual realm, then your miracle is always in motion. You just need to, to get it to manifest on your behalf. So, actually, see, I pray believing, pray believing until we get our answer. It is coming. So I want to follow up uh, via Holy Spirit with what uh, Brother Mike just brought. Because <clears throat> I heard the word persist as you were talking about it. It just kind of kept rolling in my, in my, my mind. And then I was led to, the, uh, to look up the definition 
and I thought this was great, and I was just led to share this, but to be obstinately repetitious, insistent, or tenacious, to hold firmly and steadfastly to a purpose, state, or undertaking, despite obstacles, warnings, or what I'm going to, it says, or setbacks, what I'm going to put, or seeming setbacks. To continue and to last. I just wanted to bring that to you. I also heard this morning, um, earlier, when I was at home, heard these words, a whole new world. A world and world system where all is complete and whole and new. And I've heard this sort of persistent word uh, keeps getting dropped in my spirit the last several weeks. I heard that word in conjunction with Revelation 21.5, which I've shared before. But, and he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. share something about my daughter since we're talking a little bit about healing Um, many of you know but some of you don't that she has an autoimmune disease well I've had uh, Pastor Renee and April and others say to me about healing tapes for my daughter but I was concerned about uh, approaching her with that I didn't know if she'd be uh, very open or receptive well, I was over there uh, was it Friday night, and she said a friend of hers that she's been friends with for about 30 years, they went to school together, told her that she didn't know why, but it was pressed upon her to ask her if she believed in healing, real healing. And so my daughter was open then. She said she had to take inventory of herself to see. She told me that she was almost afraid before because what if she didn't get her healing? She was so fearful of that, but she said she had to really think about that. And so then I told her that uh, I, Renee had tapes uh, on healing for her. And so she said she was receptive and said, well, I don't have a CD player. I said, well, I do. <laughs> so anyway, I just want to I am so happy that she is finally open to receive that. So, and then I hope to be back up here with a praise report.
7, 13 through 16. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of all their distresses. Oh, and would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he has broken the gates of bronze and cut Ours iron into. For the sun radiates God's own glory, 
and expresses the very character of God. For Jesus sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. And when he had cleansed us all from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This is Psalms 94, 17 through 23. If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would soon have dwelt in the abode of silence. If I should say, my foot has slipped, your loving kindness, O Lord, would hold me up. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your consultations delight my soul. Can a throne of, can a throne of destruction be allied with you? one which devises mischief by decree. They band against themselves together against the life of righteousness and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord has been my stronghold and my God and the rock of my refuge. He has brought back, he has brought back their wickedness upon them and will destroy them in their evil day. The Lord our God will destroy them. Peter 5 5 says, And all of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And God will exalt you in due time if you humble yourself under his mighty hand by casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. It says, If you humble yourselves, the Lord just showed me this. Under his mighty hand, you do that by casting your cares upon him because he cares for you. Um, as a struggle with peace, the Lord kind of showed me, like, I don't know if any of you guys struggle with peace, but the, it talked a lot about it in the Bible. Jesus is the king of peace. He knew he would need peace, especially in these latter days with everything going on. But I, I just took that. The Lord told me to take that in, so I don't know if anybody else might feel that. I am peace. Jesus, God was peace. He was love. He was peace. He was these things. And because I am in him, I also am that. So I consider I am peace. So that's something that the Lord just kind of showed me. And it, it, right here, it's like it's a prerequisite. He's saying, you know, this is how you do this, by humbling and by casting your cares upon me. This is part of being hum humbling God. So anyway, I don't know. I just thought that was something the Lord me to share.
1 John 5, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have before him, that if we ask anything, anything, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked for in him. Thank you, Lord. Lamentations 3, 22 or 20. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. My challenge for everyone is as you hear other people's faith stories like Sandy's, God makes a way. He promises it every time. Isaiah 43 says, I will do a new thing. I will make a way. You have your own story. Live out your own story. Remember theirs. But you have yours like Job. This is from 2 Corinthians 3.18. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And the glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Cries out to deep reach 
So I was hearing these three words this morning, if my people, let me just say that again, if my people,
Father, I thank you that you and you alone give us understanding in all things. That your word, not our word, will prevail. That will accomplish all that it is sent out to accomplish. That does not return void. I want to say those three words again. If my people. By the way, I'm getting a little high this morning, if that's okay. (laughs) My standing up here. For years, I stood up here, and I like it down there better. But I've noticed some of you, because you all sit in the back, you're back row Christians, and you're doing this a lot. I see this a lot, and looking around people. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, some of our meetings we've been having here have had a lot of people. We need some extra room, so. If my people, what does that mean to you? Now, you might think of the scripture. And here's how I was kind of receiving that this morning. God partners with us to accomplish his will. He just doesn't do it without us. So if my people... If my people what? Well, here's a good word. Obey me. My people hear and obey. If my people will speak. If my people will act. If my people will vote. If my people will be engaged. If my people... Y'all are quiet this morning. Should we do some calisthenics or something? Get the blood pumping? If my people, my people will believe me. My people will trust me. If my people will do what they know is right. I'm just speaking these out or things are coming to me. Is anything coming to you? If my people, my people will be honest in business. My people will repent. If my people. Here in Acts chapter 6, I want to read something to you. This is about Stephen. So the ecclesia was new and a lot of people are coming to the to the Lord and joining and and they had an outreach and that was serving tables. 
feeding widows. And they had a little problem, and so the apostles said, hey, we can't do this anymore. This is a big job. So they told the congregation, you guys pick some men. Because what we need to do is focus on prayer and ministry of the word. I, you know, I often wonder what the body of Christ would be like if all of the pastors just did that. And, and apostles just focused on ministry of the word and prayer. Instead of being CEOs and all of the other stuff that goes along with the institutional organization of church. But anyway, that's not where I was going to say. It just happened to come out. So they pick Stephen. He's one of the guys. Look at this, verse 5. It says, the statement found approval with the whole congregation. They chose Stephen, a man, what? Full of faith and the Holy Spirit. You jump down to verse 8. It talks about Stephen again. It says, Stephen, full of what? Grace and power. So Stephen, was Stephen a pastor? Apostle? Evangelist? Teacher? King Potentate? What was Stephen? He was a disciple. He was a man that was full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, full of grace and of power. That's what the Bible tells us about Stephen. We don't know a whole lot about Stephen, but we do know this so far. He's a man of faith. He's full of faith. He's not half full of faith. He's full of faith. He's not partially full of the Spirit. He's full of the Holy Spirit. Grace and power. Let's continue with verse 8. And he was performing great wonders and signs among the people. It wasn't the world-renowned apostle that travels the globe. It was a man full of the Holy Spirit and faith, full of grace and power, and he was performing great signs and wonders. Are you hearing this today? Is there any Stevens in the room? Any Stevens in the room? This is all of God's kids stuff. Not, not the paid professional stuff. Not, not the big name person. This is just Stephen, right? He's just Stephen. Hey, this guy's full of the Holy Spirit and faith and power and grace. He, you know what? There's nothing in here. He was waiting for an apostle or pastor to release him to do the works of the kingdom. He was just doing it. <laughs> I love the structure of God. Just messes the structure of man all up. (laughs) 
Any Stevens in the room? Or Stevenesses? <laughs> just, just Steve. Stevies? <laughs> Any Stevies? Steves and Stevies? Anybody sick this morning? Got a disease in your body you don't want anymore? An ailment of some sort? Want to be healed, whole, set free? Maybe you have something plaguing you that's not a disease? A spirit, maybe? Anybody? Kelly back there. Anybody else? Enola. Those of you that are Stevens, go lay hands on them. Please. Glory be to God. Glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Let me say that again. It's kind of like the Amplified Bible. It's really loud. But they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. We need men and women today that will speak like this with the boldness and the courage that's required. If my people see. See, so much, you know, Christians, we, we have, we've learned some really bad habits in some things. And one of them is our prayer and asking God to do things that he's already instructed us to do. And if we don't know what that is, we need to find out because he talks a lot about it the things that we are instructed to do. And then on an individual basis, we have to hear specifically from him and do what he's telling us to do. Say what he's telling us to say. Go where he's telling us to go. I pray for boldness and courage for each and every one of us in this hour that's so desperately needed to speak without fear of man, but only the fear of God. Because it's only him that we'll be standing in front of. I got several things before I get to the message this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is part of what I've been trying to talk about for the last number of weeks. So we know about David, right, when David was young and he had already been anointed king and the Philistines and the, the army of the Philistines and the army of, of Israel were kind of in a standoff and Goliath is out there in the valley and he's shooting his big mouth off and David's on a journey to go see his brother and he's taking some sandwiches with him and going to bring him to his brother's. Verse 20, it says, so David rose early in the morning and he left the flock with a keeper and took the supplies and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the circle of the camp while the army was going out in battle array, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle array, army against army. What's the scene? What's the scene? A war. They're in battle array. It's a standoff. You know, engagement can happen any moment, right? Verse 22. David left his baggage. Before David went any further in this battle, he left his baggage. So you can't carry baggage into the battle. It weighs you down. And that's part of what I want to speak about because our baggage that we have is really 
in the soul, the realm of the soul. So David leaves his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper, and he ran to the battle line and entered in. But he wasn't running with his baggage. He laid it all down. Now, let me just talk a little bit, a little housekeeping stuff for us, okay? Some of us in the room have been here a while, some haven't. We're different. We're a different congregation. We're doing things differently. And we've been on this journey to discover, really, I'm still on the journey of discovering what ecclesia is really all about, but even more specifically for us, for this congregation. What is God really saying for us? And with that revelation and understanding, a lot has come, and it's, you know, it's uh, been almost 10 years now. And uh, the Lord just keeps layering things to us. And so I want to read something here in uh, Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus talks about the ecclesia in which he's going to build. So Jesus in verse 15, he, well actually he starts off in 13, but in verse 15 he changes the question. He asks the question, who do people say that I am? Then he asks his apostles, who do you say that I am? He asks one question, who do you say that I am? So the entire ecclesia is founded upon the true identity of Christ, who he really is, so important. The church tells us all kinds of things about Jesus, but the Bible tells us specifically who the man Jesus is and was when he lived on the earth. And so, as you know, Peter speaks out and he says, you are the Christ or you are the Messiah, which means king. The word Messiah meant king, not just to Jesus. You know, when we hear the word Messiah, we typically always think and and ascribe that to Jesus. But for them, it was just a king. That's why Jesus qualified this. He said, you are the king of of the the son of god not just any king you are the messiah son of the living god and jesus said to him blessed are you simon son of john because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you but my father who is in heaven what did jesus just say You didn't hear it from a prophet. You didn't get it from the internet. You didn't hear another pastor preach it. You heard this directly from my father. This is powerful right here. This is what the whole ecclesia is based on Jesus. And the next thing is this. What is God saying to you, to me? 
not to everybody else. I thank God for the ministry of, of prophets and apostles and all of that. But one of the things the Lord had spoken to us and gave it to me through a vision, and it was the vision of the net. And if you haven't heard this, I'll just give it to you real quick. It was on a Sunday morning. And I was standing back there, because I'm a back row Christian, and I was standing back there, and we had praise going on. My eyes were closed, and all of a sudden, I saw this massive net before me. I was staring at it. I was uh, acutely aware that I was with a group of people that I would say would be this congregation. I was with a group of people, and we were all busy on a section of this massive net, completely really unaware of what everything else is going on because we were focused. Then I heard the Lord say, look to your left, and I, I was actually looking down at this net. I was busy, and I looked this way, and for as far as I can see to the left, until I couldn't see any further. That ma and the, when I say massive net, it wasn't just a large net, but the rope was really thick that made it. As far as my eye could see, the net stretched to my left, your right, my left, and there were people on both sides, in groups, all busy, on their section of the net. And I was astounded because I was so focused on my section of the same net, I wasn't aware of what everybody else was doing. And then the Lord said this. He goes, I want you to turn to the right. And I turned to the right. Same thing. As far as I could see. People, both sides. Busy. There's several takeaways from that. One is, don't worry about what everybody else is doing. You focus on the section of net I place you on. It's like, you know, Nehemiah in the wall, but with a net. You focus on the section of net because I'm the one that's orchestrating the whole thing. Everybody doing what they're called to do, and my net will be built the way I want it to be built. So don't worry about what everybody... Just know this, I've got a lot of people working on the net. I got a lot of people working on the net, doing their part. Another takeaway that I began to journey with the Lord on, and there's other things, I'll, I'm trying to keep this somewhat short, because it all goes back to, with our, this congregation, what is God speaking to us? I'm not saying that we shouldn't hear what God's saying to other people, because there's a lot of internet prophets out there. There's, I'm just going to say some genuine, some not. To me, it doesn't matter. People do what people want to do. What matters to me is what is God saying to me, and what is God saying to this congregation, because we have a part to play on this net. God will take care of all the other. That's, that's his business. So when we have our meetings like this on Sunday morning and we have the microphones set up, they're set up specifically from that, for that purpose. Who do you say that I am? In other words, what are you hearing from the Lord? Not what are you hearing from other people that are hearing from the Lord. What are you hearing from the Lord? 
When I first got revelation on this ecclesia, I was warned by God. This was a warning, and I've had to get out of an apostolic group because they wanted to do something different. And I was, this was the warning. Don't tell people, other people other than our congregation, what an ecclesia looks like. Give, teach the principles out of the scripture and let every location figure it out for themselves. Because what we've done with the church model is we've reproduced as a cookie cutter that model instead of allowing it to develop. See, an ecclesia, our ecclesia here could look completely different than one in Lee Summit. Or one down the street. Because there's different things God has us focused on. We're all on the same net. But we all have different focus on the net. So it's very, very important that we're hearing, and that's why, this is, this is practice too, right? I'm not perfect in hearing everything I say is not exactly word for word coming from the throne, but we're practicing that too here in creating a safe place. So what are we hearing? And it can be one word or a couple words, but what are we hearing? Not trying to force anything, but giving opportunity. And I've noticed when it functions, there's a thread that God's speaking to all of us. And we need to be able to hear that thread, because that's God speaking. And God loves to speak through a number of people. You know, the, the, the great apostle Paul, right, he was blinded. God could have said, hey, you just command that your eyes to open and be healed and be filled with... No, he had to depend on somebody else to come and bring him a word and bring him his healing. God's made us that way, interdependent that way. So when we have the microphone set up, it's not, you know, a testimony time. It's not a time for small group. It's not a time just to chat. If you have a testimony that you would like to share, please let me know. We'll do that. We'll do it later. But during that time with the music, and part of the whole music thing too, just if some of you haven't heard this, the Lord spoke to me several years ago, or a few at least, that the purpose and use of music is changing. We're still trying to figure that whole thing out. The scripture I was led to was Saul, when Saul ran into Samuel, and Samuel tells him, you're going to find your father's donkey, and he gave him a couple different things, and he said, and by the way, you're going to run into a band of prophets, and they're going to be minstrels, and they're going to be playing music, and when they come, when you come across them, you're going to be changed into another man. See, that's a whole different use of music than what the church uses music today. The church uses music for the most part. It's more entertainment. It's more emotional than it is prophetic. And when you look at Scripture, there's no place in Scripture that defines worship as music. And if you ask any Christian today, that's typically what they say. It's music. Now, it doesn't mean music can't be used as part of our worship or praise. But in and of itself, it isn't that. And God wants us to have a complete lifestyle of worship to him. At work, at home, in the neighborhood, here, everywhere, that our life is a living testimony to the worship of God. 
So just for, you know, and just I know we have some newer people that come in and out just to kind of help with some understanding of what we're, what we're really moving and, and doing and what we feel like, or at least I feel like the Lord is saying to us together and just what is God actually saying to us. Um, something else, too, I just want to throw out there, and you can do this if you want. You don't have to, but you don't have to give the scripture reference when you come up. I just want to say that. Um, but if you feel like you need to, that's fine, too. But don't feel like you're pressured to give the scripture reference to a scripture. So the microphones, what are they set up for? What are you hearing from the Lord? That can be a prophetic word, or it could be a scripture, or it can be prayer. What are you hearing from it? So scripture, a prophetic word, or prayer. You can get up and pray. If you have a song, I've done this before, and I don't like doing it, and I argue with the Lord when this happens, but, and thankfully it hasn't happened for a long time, but I've had prophetic words where I had to sing them. It's a very embarrassing for me. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, exactly. But if you have a song that the Lord is, is given to you, you know, feel free to, to, to sing that song as well. Okay? Does that kind of help clear it? As we're moving forward with all this, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. It, it is, I, I, you know, I don't want to make it sound like it's not important at all. What, the way I, and I, I'm not the best communicator with some of these things, because when the Lord begins speaking to you, it's like when you get a prophetic word, it's best just to say the word and, and try not to define it. Just, just give it. And so, but trying to explain what I'm hearing, because the, the problem, the way I, have, I see it, within the context of church with music, is we've elevated music to a level it should never have arrived at. It's music in, in church is really worshipped. The music is worshipped. And then it's called worship, and we've developed worship pastors and all of these things that we don't find in the Scripture. See, one of the, another thing with, with us is, and, let me, and I'll just tell you, I mean, I, I'm getting completely reorganized over the last couple dozen years with all of this myself. And one of the things the Lord does with me constantly is he has me focus on Jesus. And going back to every, how did Jesus do everything? How did he pray for the sick? We can learn a lot. If we just learn from Jesus, how did he do it? He did it different ways at different times. He didn't spend an hour praying in tongues over him. It's very simple. What he did was, is he heard what his father was saying, and he did and said that. Jesus never used music in his ministry. 
Not once. I'm just saying. I'm not saying that we shouldn't or else we would have stopped it. But what I'm saying is Jesus didn't use it. When you read the seven letters in Revelation, he doesn't even mention it. So Jesus didn't put a priority on it, so therefore, why are we? That's where I'm at, that's where I'm at with, with this, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you got that whole part of it, right? Because there's tons of songs that aren't even scriptural, you know, that are out there. But it, the whole music aspect, and, and, and I'm not against music, what I'm saying is get into the scripture and find out what is God saying. You know, the tabernacle, the three areas of the tabernacle, which I'm going to address too as we're talking about spirit, soul, and body because those relate when you get to the, the holy place and the most holy place, there's no music. There's no music. So all the noise is out in the outer court. And that's and where Gentiles are allowed. That's where the slaughter of the animals, it's noisy. It's, and that, to me, is another illustration of where the church has stayed. They've stayed out there in the outer court, and they're having a party, and they feel better but folks, can we just be really seriously honest about this, okay? The church is a mess. It's, it's a disaster, in my opinion. It's so infiltrated by antichrist ideologies and doctrines, Marxist ideology, social justice, all of this stuff. Where were we as a whole when the lockdowns happened? I'll tell you where we were. They went online and home. Exactly. So if the music and what is being taught from the pulpits around the nation is it, then something's seriously wrong. Well, I'm telling you, it isn't it. 
Because if music would have changed us, it would have by now. It would have by now. The, the body of Christ is not ready for the times. What has happened now? I'm just being honest. What has happened now that churches are back open? Does anybody know? What's that? Yeah, the midterms, but specifically about the church. What have they done? How have they responded now that they're back open? It's the same exact thing they did before. Yeah. I'm concerned about the body of Christ. Have we not learned anything over the last couple of years? As a whole, I'm not talking about single individual, you know, congregations, but as a whole, Yeah, I mean, we have a whole book of Psalms. We have the Song of Solomon. We know there's music in heaven. There's a lot. It's, it's the purpose and the use of it. It's how we have used it and what we actually call it. Because we've termed music in our services worship, and it isn't. It can be part, but it isn't worship. I mean, we even call it the worship service. When the worship part of the service is over, well, isn't it all that? But here's what I'm saying. I am not witnessing a ton of change in the way the body of Christ has responded over these last two years. Now, I do see people, patriots all over the place rising up, but I'm talking about specifically, and, I, and Christians, but specifically this organized thing we call church. Did you have something? Yeah, there you go. That's really good, Dale. I like that. Say that again. Amen. Can you say it backwards? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I bet you. Yes. Exactly. That's right.
Yep. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. Well, and, and that's so true. It's, it's the intimate koinonia, that personal relationship. And then when we come together, it's us collectively with dad. That's, the, to me, the most important thing. That's what, you know, and everything we get is coming from him. We're receiving it from him. I, I want to I carry that thought. for. Did you have your hand up? I got to, like, listen, Brenda. No, if you, I just, there's a sun glare, like a light glare coming through that window and it's hard to see your, no, it's not shining off the top of your head, although that would be cool, but it isn't. <laughs> so yeah, that, that kind of too much pressure and emphasis that has been placed on the music part of it. And that's what it's all about. Oh, you know, music playing is great. Music is great. But then the real meat of the thing is the meat that comes out of the music. Yeah. And I would agree with that. I'll get you guys here in just a second. Uh, because this happened with me too. Um and what I've discovered with myself and then, you know, pastoring, I've seen this happen dozens and dozens of times, is, is people have an emotional engagement, but that's it. It doesn't, it doesn't go any farther. And here's, the, here's a, a deceptive aspect of that. Because of the emotional, how, you know, that, that hype, that feeling that we have of engagement with music and of singing, that can be a counterfeit and make us feel like we really connected in the most holy place. 
and keep us from getting there. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the Lord uses all those tools to reach us uh, in our home. And, and sometimes, as they say, there's something that rather caught than taught. Mm-hmm. And so we, we get it and we don't even know we got it. Mm-hmm. But, um, but so uh, I, if you just do a word search for just those songs, you know, there's so many songs mentioned all mm-hmm. through the scriptures, but songs. And, and it is. Yep, absolutely. And, and that which, to your point, is, is a valuable, it's valuable to have scriptural songs and even singing scripture. Exactly. Yeah, yep. In songs? Songs or script? Verses. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, I know. I know. That's one of the things we w- I wanted. That's one of the things I want to do too. Is 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 implement scripture, singing scripture, pure scripture. So uh, I do want to address something, um, and, and just to beware of this. Okay, uh, we have to beware of what is cultural and what is scriptural. Okay. Because there's a huge movement in the body of Christ, and it's, and it's been going on for some time, and they use what is Hebrew culture. Hebrew culture isn't necessarily scriptural or kingdom. Okay? It's, it's cultural, and God allows for cultural expression all over the world. This is one of the things I, I saw when I started traveling internationally. I would go to different churches, and it was like I was in America because their whole pla- their whole format was exactly like the church I came from, sang the same songs. It was just in a different language, and then you find out they're 
they're started by American missionaries. And well, no wonder, because we've, we've reproduced these cookie cutter. And, and my heart cry was, I'm going to another culture. When you go to another culture, how many of you traveled internationally? Don't you, do you not just appreciate other cultures, their food, their language, their way of life, how they dress? Well, how come that's not translated all the time within the church? Sometimes it is. I've been to a couple that were, but so we have to understand it. it and this is where we go sideways with certain things like women shouldn't speak in church. It was cultural. It's not kingdom. Or you should, you should not have tattoos and should cut your hair. Cultural, not kingdom. And we have to understand when we're, when we're reading scripture, what is cultural and addressed in a culture compared to what is the principles of kingdom of what God is portraying. Because we have a bunch of people. I've got pastor friends. They don't think women should speak in the church or women should have any other ministry except the nursery. And they don't understand the passage on it, you know, and what, what the, the scripture actually is saying, they, or to be able to discern what's cultural and what's not. So just because Hebrew culture did certain things, that does not mean it's kingdom. I'm not saying it's wrong. We can't learn some things from it, but we, what we don't want to do is make the church or the ecclesia Hebrew. Jesus came as the archetype man. He wants the Jew and the Gentile to be the one new man, Christ-like. He doesn't want the Gentile Christian to be like a Jew. And he doesn't want the Jew to be like the Gentile Christian. He wants both to be Christ-like, the one new man. And there's a different culture within kingdom. And it's expressed in, in our natural surroundings too. But that doesn't make it scripture, it's just cultural. Okay, is that clear as muddy? What's that? Yeah. Here's here's the thing. What I try to do, and I hope I make this clear here don't ever believe anything i say because i said it ever get into the word for yourself find out what the scripture says if you find that i'm saying something in error like i've challenged people with this whole music thing bring it to me and show me where i'm wrong and i'll change because I must have missed something somewhere. I'm not seeing things. That's why we need one another. But don't ever believe anything that I say because I said it or because I wrote a book on it. You take it and you go to the scripture and you dig and you find out and get, that's how you get revelation for yourself. We don't get revelation by listening to other people preach. No, what you're hearing is other people's revelation. But you've got to make it your own and it's got to be based in scripture. I'm sure you've all heard things that other people, maybe even myself, but were really good and right on scripture. But the other things were like, eh, tilt, just toss that, th that aside. Doesn't mean everything they said is wrong. You know, one of the things the Lord, you know, I, I didn't want to preach or teach ever. 
And, and one of the things the Lord did for me is he asked me a question. This was before I ever spoke to adults. I was working with teenagers. He said, how, or actually he said, what did I use to lead you to me? And for those of you that have never heard this story before, God used Jehovah's Witness material. The Watchtower magazine and a book that the Jehovah's Witnesses produced. That's what God used. God can use any, if he can use me, he can use anything, anybody, at any time. But here's what he said. And I said, well, that was, it was Jehovah's Witness. It was the Watchtower and the book on family living. And then he said this, was everything that you read 100% truth? And I said, no. And he said, not everything you say either, Joe, is going to be 100% truth. But I can take the truth you do say and change lives with it, just like I use that material to change your life. And you know what I said? Well, I can do that. I can do that. Because it's not like I, you have to try to be just so, you know, you can wear yourself out trying to be just like, no, just God, what are you saying? And depend on him that people will hear the truth because there's a lot of lie out there, but, and the, the lie depends on the truth for its existence, and God can use the truth in it to reach our hearts. Only he can do stuff like that. I want to close with this, this last thing, and this is my message for today, because all of that wasn't my message for today. <laughs> and I, I've already mentioned parts of this, but I, I kind of want to hit, hit this several times because I think it's a huge concept and it all goes to the, the message I've been trying to preach for a couple months now. Are we mere men or are we spiritual men? Paul said that to the Corinthians. You, you guys are still fleshly and you're immature. You're, you're, you're acting like mere men. You're not spiritual men. You see, we think that as soon as we get born again, we're automatically a spiritual man. Well, we are, but do we act like it? Are we walking in it? When Adam was created, he was created in God's image according to his likeness, which in part means this. He had a body, a spirit, and soul. He wasn't just spirit. He wasn't just soul, and he wasn't just body. He was all three. Adam just means man, so that also includes woman. Adam means mankind. So mankind was spirit, soul, and body. To be mankind, you have to be spirit, soul, and body. If you're not, then you're dead or you're not man. That's how God created us. God created us when he breathed into the man... And what was on the inside of God, the, the, the air, the wind, the spirit, the DNA of God went into man, man becomes a living being. Now, Adam had spirit-to-spirit -spirit communication with God. This is so important right here. How many times have you just gone about your day and all of a sudden, you just know things. You didn't hear a word. You didn't, you know, you, you didn't see flashing lights. And maybe you're in a conversation and you'll say something that's like, and then you think to yourself, I didn't even know I knew that. <laughs> Does that happen to, it's like, that's happened to me so many different times. So God communicated with Adam spirit to spirit. We, Adam and man, us two, were created to have that kind of communication with God. 
that we would receive spirit to spirit, nothing to interfere. Remember, sin hadn't happened yet. So Adam's soul and body was 100% pure and could live forever in that existence. So there was no filter of sin or hurt or wounds or whatever it is that when God spoke, he spoke spirit to spirit, communicated spirit. It's almost like having a dream. You know, when you have a spiritual dream and there's communication and it's not necessarily verbal talk in your dream. You're having all this communication. You're seeing things and knowing things. It's not perfectly like that, but it's very similar to where you have that communication with the Lord. When I use the term and I use it incorrectly, I'll say God spoke to me, which sounds like I heard audible words and that I've never heard audible words from God, never, not once. I've had impressions on the inside that were words that were so loud it was close to being audible, but it wasn't. So I've heard these internal words. And what is that? It's spirit-to-spirit communication. But it has to come up through the soul, the soul being the mind, the will, and the emotion. Because our soul is our link between body and spirit to this earth. Hello. Because we're living in a natural world but we're lit, we are to live a supernatural that would supersede the natural world, spiritual life. And that's how Adam lived and communicated with God. He knew things because God was communing. He was walking with God. God's communicating with him. They're conversing. And he just knew, he knew, knew things. The word for word, the Greek word for word in Scripture is logos. That word is where we get our word logic from. So it's God's logic is being communicated to Adam, mankind, and mankind is living by God's logic, by God's reasoning, so to speak. But because of sin, sin brought corruption, separated this spirit-to-spirit communication, and living by God's logic separated man from that because when we sin we're saying we're god we don't necessarily say that but that's what we're saying we know better god says thus but we're going to do it anyway we're going to trump him because we can and we want to and we have a desire whatever it might be so we're rebelling really we're rebelling against the authority of god That separation that Adam and Eve had from God of that communication now, corruption sets in. God told them that as soon as that would happen, they're going to die, but it wasn't immediate physical death. What was it? It was the loss of Zoe, which Zoe is the life of God. The very life of God is what was lost in in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned, that separation. When we lost, we being mankind, lost that Zoe, corruption set in there's no vacuums if if we don't have the lord you got something else it's you're not into nothingness so corruption set in perversion set in now what man was relegated to and really you default to this because there's nowhere else to go and that's where humanism was given birth to 
humanism, which is I'm now God. So now, instead of going to God and receiving all of my life source and everything, my worldview, everything about animals, all the creation, how we are to relate, all everything about life has now been severed. I have nowhere else to go except within my own self and what I determine is right and wrong and what I determine what is desirable and not desirable, what I determine is truth and not truth. Remember Pontius Pilate? He says, what is truth? So truth there becomes relative, relative to what I believe it is. This is where we're, we're really at this place, and it's really big, in the world today. Because every seed that was sown, every evil seed that was sown from day one, and every righteous seed that was sown from day one is, going, is growing and is coming to harvest. And this is what is the battle of this last day. It's all of the seeds that have been sown, evil and righteous, and we know what happens in the end. So man has now became corrupt and is looking within their own knowledge, their own wisdom, their own understanding for their worldview. Jesus comes and he sacrifices his life. Why? So we can be restored, not back to Adam, but restored to Christ's likeness because he's the archetype man. All of that has been restored now. So we, we get a brand new spirit. We have God's DNA on the inside of us, 1 John chapter 2 or 3. Uh, we have his DNA is, restore, is, is, is breathed back into us. But here's the issue. Our spirit's brand new, but our soul, our mind, will, and emotions is not. Even after we're born again. They're linked because if, if you genuinely got born again... You started to see things differently, feel things differently, understand things differently. Why? Because your soul was affected, but it wasn't changed. That's why Romans 12, God tells us, we have to renew our mind. We have to do it. No, we don't pray and ask God to do it. If my people will renew their mind. Not being conformed to this world, this natural. You see, in the world system, everything, all of their theology, doctrine, answers to sickness, is all of that is natural. It's all relegated to the natural. That's like you go to Alcoholics Anonymous where they tell you you're an alcoholic and you'll always be an alcoholic. You go to God and what is that? No, you'll be delivered and you'll never be an alcoholic again. Because he changes you completely and totally. Because the world doesn't have, they have coping mechanisms. How you can cope with your ailment. How you can continue to take drugs because of your disease or sickness or mental or emotional or all of these things. But with God, you have complete and total victory. He pulls it up by the root. Complete. But our souls, which really are, is our computer, our hard drive, has been affected and stained by sin. It is our soul where all of our heart wounds, rejections, fears, whatever, all of these kinds of things, misconceptions, where our will is, our soul is our mind, our will and our emotions, our, our, our you know, stinking thinking, our things that our own belief systems, our, our core values that we have made core values, our unholy vows that we've made by saying, I will never do this or I, I will do that. And those are unholy makes it not God-ordained. All of those things are trapped within the soul. 
Here's my favorite scripture at this moment in time. <laughs> first, first or second Peter? We're first and Peter, first and second Peter brothers, like one older and the other one younger. <laughs> I think it's, um, I think it's first Peter chapter one verses twenty-two, if I remember right. Oh yes. Does it make any sense what I just really went through very, very quick within the soul and the way we think? That, that's why, you know, Christians that are soulish, that's why they hear Dr. Fauci talk and you got to put on a mask and you got to go home. And it's like in that fear, just because that's all in the soulish realm. See, it's not in the spiritual realm. It's, it's where the emotions, you know, get you and and people are led by their emotions. I mean, how many Christians are just so led by their emotions, how they feel about things instead of what God is actually saying in spiritual discernment? What's he really saying and what he is, what's he, the discernment he's given you. So in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, it says this, since you have in obedience to the, in the truth, since you have in obedience to the truth, since you have, since you've been obedient to the truth, look at what this scripture says. Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your soul. The quickest way to purify your soul from all of this weird belief, heart wounds, fears, rejections, is by being obedient to the truth. It's what the scripture says. Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. Obeying truth when you don't feel like it. You're taking control over your emotions. How you feel. When you're obeying truth and you don't even really understand it, you're overcoming your thought life. Because see, too many people, we got to sit around, we got to try to figure it all out before we're just obedient to the truth. I'm sure glad a lot of men, men in the Bible didn't do that. When God told Abraham, he says, hey, why don't you get out, get up and get out, I'm going to show you the land. I'll tell you along the way. Well, no, Lord, you got to give me a map and let's talk about this. Let's figure it all out first. Yeah, forgive myself or I can't do it until this or that. We put all these parameters and stuff and God's just saying, just... The, the walk with the Lord is so simple. We have so confused it. It's what is God actually saying? Just do that. When you read it, forgive or you're not going to be forgiven. It doesn't, there's no emotion attached to it. God doesn't say if you feel like it. He doesn't even say wait until the anger subsides. There's no emotion that's attached to it at all. There's not even a level of offense attached to it we build all that stuff in well, i'm just too angry to do it i'm gonna have to wait a, a month that's not what the word says see that's that's where we have to get into the truth and be quick i just brought up forgiveness because that's a big issue with you know all of us and different levels of offense you know it's really easy if i can forgive sandy for calling me a name you kick my dog so we're in a whole nother realm now, baby, I'm telling you. 
I'll forgive you. But there might be something coming along with that forgiveness. <laughs> Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls, you, we can get to the place where our soul is so purified, we are receiving from the Spirit, just like Jesus did, and just like Adam and Eve did before the fall. That there's nothing hindering, because what, what's happening now, it, it's happen, it happens with me, as our soul is a filter. Because what we're receiving from the Spirit goes through that soul, and then it filter, it gets all kinds of filters. We do that to ourselves. That's why it's so important. And right now, like I told you last week, do you remember me reading a, a Revelation chapter 18, verse 13? Does anybody remember that verse from last week? That verse talks about Babylon. It talks about Babylon falling. And then after it, Babylon fell, it talks about merchants that were buying and selling. And then it names a whole bunch of things that they were buying and selling within ba this Babylonian system. Do you remember what the last thing it talked about was? talked about slaves and then in the new american standard it said and human lives does anybody remember what the human lives are it's souls souls of men were being bought and sold in babylon what's happening right now in our day and our time it's happening right now transhumanism metaverse our souls are being bought and sold. Not mine, not yours. This is, so, this is so evil that the enemy wants to capture men's souls. That means their mind, their will, and their emotions to make them do what they want them to do. And don't think that this doesn't affect Christians, because if you read the beginning of that, God even says, come out from her, my people. Come out from her. This is where I'm really concerned about what's going on today and where, the, where so many Christians are. They're, they're not seeing the bigger picture of what's really happening, and they don't know the scripture of what's, what is actually taking place. And there's a ton more to this. Did you have something? Okay, so, so we, have, we have scripture that says forgive or we're not going to be forgiven. So, and, G, and you talked about Jesus throwing. How do they kind of meld together? It is our responsibility. See, I can forgive somebody, but it doesn't mean I'm their friend. And it doesn't mean, because when we even receive forgiveness from God, that doesn't mean consequences are removed for our action. David was forgiven, but, and then he was given a choice. What, what do you want to happen here? Because our actions do put in motion consequences. And we can receive forgiveness. That's ours. That's not God's. That's why God says, don't do it. Don't sin, don't do these things, because if you do, this, there's, re, there's a consequence to it. There's a reaction that's going to happen. 
and he wants to save us all from those things. He told Adam, don't eat because in that day there's going to be a consequence. You're, you're going to die. And, and corruption came in. So you have the forgiveness, but you also have consequence. Yeah, there's a natural law of sowing and reaping. Um, you know, and sometimes God does step in and the consequence is not as severe as it could have been. Uh, but there's still some type of a, of a consequence. We have to remember this too about judgment. And I'm sorry, we're really going long. If you have to go, go. That judgment is not a bad word. Judgment is healthy. Judgment is needed. Judgment is required. Judgment, when, when a judge gives a judgment, there's always negative consequences to one party, but there's positive consequences to another party. But typically what we do is we always see the negative side of it, and we think judgment is God's wrath, and he's just hammering on us. When God is righteous, so sin, if a righteous God has to judge that which is evil. He has to, and that's a good thing. That's a positive thing. Sometimes when he brings, and I'll use the word, judgment on us, it's more in the form of discipline, which is correction, just like a dad would or a mom would correct their child and say, no, this is going to be harmful for you. Don't do this. Judgment can come in many different forms, and it's, and it's a type of a discipline. And without discipline, we're illegitimate sons. And discipline is really the root word to be a disciple. So if we're not being disciplined, therefore judged, we have to get, we have, I'm going to use that word because we have to get the, the concept of what judgment is out. We just always think it's really bad and it's all negative. And it's not. We have to understand that it's, it, that it's a positive thing, it's a good thing. And God, within Ecclesia, this banner says it's a legislative assembly. That's only half of it. The other half of Ecclesia is the judgment, is the judicial branch. And, and how does God bring judgment on the earth? He uses his people, just like he did in the Old Testament with prophets. And, and that's, a, that's a level of holiness and righteousness that we are to walk in, to hear, because I, I'm, we're going to see men are going to stand up and they're going to declare God's judgment in some areas and on some things. And it's not necessarily a negative thing all of the time, but God's going to work through men to accomplish that. But see, what we've been told so much is judgment's wrong, don't judge, we shouldn't judge, all of these things. That's what's taught in the church today. When God is a judge, right? That's who he is. So how could judgment be wrong? We've got a book of judges, you know? We just have to have an understanding of it, yeah.
exactly. Because the judgment, you know, uh, at least a part of it is for redemption purposes, to redeem. Hey, um, we, I'm sorry, we went really long. I asked Nola if you wouldn't mind just to give your announcements. We got an election coming up, obviously, a week from Tuesday, and if you had some things you wanted to. Okay, thank you. Uh, just really quick, uh, this Tuesday at 5 o'clock is the deadline for people who want to file for office at any level. So if anyone feels called to serve on, like, the county Republican committee or if they feel called to run for the county legislature or the state legislature, uh, all those deadlines are at the end of the day on Tuesday. And... Um, if you're not getting my emails, I would love to include you in my emails, but I think everybody here is. And if if you signed up for them and aren't seeing them, you might check your spam filter because sometimes it'll go to the spam in the wisdom of Gmail or Yahoo or whoever that is. And I, I do want to just lead in prayer because, yes, then a week from Tuesday is the local elections, and uh, I will share information with recommendations that I get from uh, trusted resources, um, and we want to always realize that everybody on every ballot are human beings, and none of them are perfect, but we uh, want to, in, in every case, elect the best ones that we have available to us to um, do what is needed, and uh, so I'd just like to lead in prayer. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for this nation that you have through the sacrifice of so many others who have gone before us, Lord, uh, we we thank you for the freedom that we still have. And Lord, we ask you to give us the wisdom to restore where it's needed and, Lord, for us to retain where we can. And Father, I ask you to uh, cause those who are running for office, who are seeking to do your will, Lord, I ask you to help them to get their word out, and Lord, help us to help them. And Father, uh, in this year, Lord, we cry out to you for our communities and our state and our nation, Lord, that uh, we will seek to know and do your will at, at every level of government. Father, in Jesus' name we pray, and thank you, thank you, thank you for this opportunity to us to to do your will at these levels. In Jesus' name, amen. Sarah just shut me down right away. She just uh, shut me down. Yeah, Okay, um, I, for all of you that know Marie, she's like the matriarch of this, <laughs> and she had a bad accident anyway, and so um, she she called and talked to me for probably about 45 minutes, but she just wanted to relay that, and she still can't walk, she said, but you know Marie, she says, I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there, but she just wanted me to um, tell you that she loves you all, and she can't wait to be back with us, so amen, keep her in your prayers.